Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring business leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. Today, Nathan had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Joy Purser, the first ever Senior Executive Regional Director for Cybersecurity for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. She is a nationally recognized global security leader with extensive experience in cybersecurity, enterprise risk management, pandemic recovery, and government budget oversight. Her career includes working for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, the White House, the Pentagon, the private sector, as well as serving on the board of Cyversity and volunteering in her community. In this episode, Nathan and Dr. Purser discuss what she wishes everyone knew about cybersecurity, what every business leader should know about malware, spyware, and ransomware for protection, and resources to help business leaders understand and build a solid cybersecurity culture. Okay, let's jump right into the episode with Dr. Joy Purser. Over to you, Nathan. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Be The Change Georgia. Today, we're joined by Joy Purser, Dr. Joy Purser. Welcome to the show, Joy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on here. I think, uh, I don't think, I know you're our first uh, cybersecurity expert joining the show. So very interested to unpack not just what you do and, and the knowledge you carry, but but your story as well. So great. Thanks. I'll have, I think we'll have a good discussion. Yeah, excited for it. So let's jump right in. So what do you wish everyone understood about the field of cybersecurity and the why that fuels your passion in that field? Nathan, I think cybersecurity is everyone's responsibility. It is down to the individual's responsibility. And yes, businesses and organizations need to take care of it, but just an individual awareness of things like complex passwords or changing your passwords and all the other things that go with protecting your information. I wish more people understood that it really is an individual responsibility. You asked about my why. And so I'd love to share that when I was younger, I grew up in a small town in the, in middle Georgia called Cochran. And there was a time when I was a little girl where my dad was working and my mom was staying home with us. And I remember us eating potted meat and Vienna sausages and bologna, which are delicious meats, but they're also very economical meats. And it's because there was a there was a time where we had some difficulty making ends meet when I was really little. My parents always tried to shield me from that, and they're wonderful people. Um, and it only recently occurred to me that that is why security is so important to me and why I'm passionate about security because there was a time in my life where we were lacking in security, financial security. And so I, it just occurred to me recently is to that's, that's a big reason of why working in the security field is so important to me. That's so interesting. That might be the most interesting why we've gotten as far as that, that childhood experience um, leading, yeah. you down, leading you down a career path. And it sounds like almost subconsciously. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, it just occurred to me and I've been working for 25 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, no, that's, uh, that's powerful stuff. And, and you've been working in this field for 25 years and 
you've got a ton of experience in in the government sector. So you're working with the House of Representatives, the White House, the Pentagon. How did that, I guess we'll call it public sector work or governmental sector work, how did it inform you on kind of educating business leaders on the importance of, of building that solid security culture? Because, you know, we talk about it too in the, you know, in the B Corp framework, there's a big part of, of customers. I mean, customers is an entire mm-hmm. section in the assessment and what it means mm-hmm. and protecting, you know, almost, not almost, an obligation to protect your client's data. So how did that experience in the government sector lead to your work in the private sector? So my work in public service included nine years at the Pentagon. And anybody who's worked with the military or served in the military knows the value of protecting sensitive information. And whether it's your training in the military or just your everyday work in the Pentagon, protecting American lives in our democratic way of life is the mission. And so you have frequent training on how to identify uh, an internal threat potentially, what are the, the warning signs, just to not wear your ID out, you know, out and about in public where some, someone could see it and gain information that could compromise you or your organization. So that security culture was just built into everything that the military does. And so I was there for a long time. In terms of business owners, I think they should understand that building a security culture doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be done with intention and awareness. Uh, There's a lot of free resources out there that we can discuss later, but it really is something that is the business and individual's responsibility. No, it's uh, and it's becoming more and more. I remember my last job, just how many just bad fishing attempts we got, and uh, <laughs> yes. where you know it's like it's as simple as looking at the email address, or uh, knowing that your CEO goes by Jeff and not Jeffrey, um, and then he'll never ask you for an Amazon gift card for your uh, <laughs> for you to buy a hunt for twenty five dollar Amazon gift cards in an email. So, well, but some, speak- some of it's so basic, but obviously it's kind of like the old like. If they're doing it, somebody's falling for it. Well, and as a matter of fact, 78% of cyber attacks start as an email. So email compromise is really important in just understanding that that is the way in for the vast majority of cyber breaches. Wow. That's terrifying. So all you need is one employee not paying attention and... Well, that'll keep you up at night, uh, business owners. <laughs> so speaking of which, what what is one thing that every business leader should know about uh, malware, spyware, the ransomware that's out there that would help them uh, protect them from, well, kind of catastrophe that we just talked about um, and, the, and the effects on their business? Well, since the pandemic, the FBI has seen a 300% increase in reported targeted cyber attacks. So a lot of that is ransomware, some of it's malware, spyware. And so educating your team, whether you work at a nonprofit or a Fortune 100 business, informing your team and educating them on what are the indicators and things to look for, to not click the link, to enable multi-factor authentication. In other words, when you access a website that there are two ways that your identity is confirmed, either 
with a password or with a passwordless system that's new or with some other way, a text or a phone call to prove that it's you, really can thwart the vast majority of breaches and attacks. So there's really just some basic cyber hygiene that business owners can apply to their organizations to help protect them. And what about, uh, I mean, some of the education, I guess, for employees, like, I, I I don't know if it's a what would you recommend, but just as far as I mean, we did it in onboarding. Um, we had occasional yes. reminders, but you know what what is something for for employers to tell their employees to look out for, and kind of the education, the cadence that you recommend, things like that. I recommend that the head of human capital or the head of security, depending on how big the organization is, <laughs> if it's an organization of two, probably one of the two. Identify a good source for just simple or free training on internet security. It really can be basic. I mean, places like LinkedIn or CISA are great resources for free information that people can go to. And what we did at the Pentagon is that there were annual trainings for employees and there was a test. So you could opt for the test at the beginning of the training. And if you passed like 70% of the question, then you didn't have to go through the entirety of the training. So people start to feel like their time is wasted if they've seen something over and over again, or if it's not interesting. So I see an evolution towards trainings that are more interesting or fun or engaging and making it something that employees want to pay attention to. And if they really are pressed for time, they just take the test, demonstrate that they have the knowledge and skills for basic cyber protection, and then move on with their day. And having fun with it. We had a whole Slack channel dedicated to bad phishing attempts. Yes. <laughs> Those are always, and there's some doozies in there too. Right? They're so glaringly obvious. But, And then I know, uh, you know, University of Georgia actually sends fake phishing emails. And basically, yes. if you fail one, you're, you're taking that class. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's pretty common. Um, pivoting a little bit from, from the, well, well the, the, the dangers that are out there. One of the other things we, we talked about when we first met was, um, I mean, like a lot of IT related ecosystems, uh, uh, an incredible lack of diversity in the cybersecurity field. So how are you educating leaders to understand the significance of this issue and what opportunities are you helping them uncover to address a more sustainable and diverse path forward for the industry? When I worked for the Department of Homeland Security, I helped to stand up a regional task force, and I also led a national task force for cybersecurity and how to cultivate a more inclusive environment for a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds, cultures, races, ethnicities to be able to access cybersecurity as a career path. There are also some great nonprofit organizations that are active in Atlanta and throughout Georgia that I would recommend. I've donated a good bit of my time with Cyversity.org. That's C-Y-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y. It has a lot of free trainings and the student membership is only $20. So it's really, it's a great resource for a local network, has a mentorship program. They're gonna be launching a, a paid apprenticeship coming up in the spring. Also, year up, Org, that's spelled Y-E-A-R-U-P, yearup.org, 
offers a paid six-month internship. And just last week, I spoke to their this, this uh, internship cohort on how to navigate a career in cybersecurity and what pitfalls to avoid. So there are quite a few more. There's a women in cybersecurity called WICYS, W-I-C-Y-S, that's also fantastic. So there really are a lot of worthy organizations. And last but not least, I have to have a shout out to atlwork.org. Atlanta Works is a government agency in the Atlanta area that helps promote sustainable employment and re-entry into the workforce. So I know a lot of people out there with tech jobs, Nathan, are struggling. And I would just say, if you're unemployed or low income, go to atlworks.org because there is taxpayer paid funding for upskilling and training into sustainable employment. I highly recommend it. I love that. And I love that all of those are, yeah, I love the focus on upstream solutions too. Um, Cause I think that's, it's often overlooked as, as we talk about diversity on our teams. We think, I think we, we tend to think fairly selfishly of like, what is our team? What are our demographics? What are our percentages? But if the ecosystem is still fairly homogeneous, then, then we're all kind of fighting for that same sliver of diverse talent versus thinking upstream with some of those organizations you mentioned, like you're up that is focused really on like, where are we in 10 years from now? What yes. impact are we actually having on the diversity in our ecosystem? Or are we just worried about our own annual impact report? That's right. What, what resources are out there that are easy to understand, especially maybe thinking small entrepreneur, like I went out on my own full-time last year. I'm not very tech savvy. So what's out there and, and what can they apply to build a good security culture for their people and their businesses? I look to, you know, start hiring people. So think kind of putting my, putting yourself in my shoes or a small entrepreneur who's hiring employees, two, three, four, uh, rolling out emails. What, what are some things that are out there that they can use to kind of wrap their head around this um, and start, you know, putting, putting down that foundation of like not getting, cause I mean, they're coming after everybody now. Mm -hmm. It's true. So if I were an organization of one or two, like a very small, not well-funded startup or a nonprofit, there are a couple of websites that I would go we call, to. We call those, by the way, we call those bootstrapped. Bootstrap organizations. <laughs> yes. There are a couple of, of websites like CISA.gov that I would suggest because there's a ton of information that's already paid for by our taxpayer dollars. CISA.gov would be one. And also, honestly, Nathan, I would go to YouTube or LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a ton of trainings and almost all of them are free. And so I would just Google around on LinkedIn for some basic cyber hygiene if it were a very small organization. Now, let's say you're a startup and you have a little bit of, of seed money to get going, or maybe you have 10 or 15 employees. Um, I and some of my friends are virtual CISOs. In other words, contract or part-time advisors in cybersecurity. So for a fairly low cost, you can contract somebody to come in and consult to get you started. And it doesn't have to be a long-term arrangement. It could be a one-month retainer or a six-month to help get the basics for the company. For example, if we get hit with ransomware, how are we gonna have our backups configured? What's our most important information? 
How do we avoid paying that ransom and being able to get right back into our backups? How do we practice that? Cybersecurity is a really complex field when you, when you start to study it every day. Um, how do you control people accessing certain folders or files? How do you put in controls so people have to put in a password that's complex? How do you force people to do the multi-factor authentication? There are so many new products that you can outsource and they're not expensive, but you really need somebody, if you're, if you're more than just two people, I think you need somebody to consult to help get it going. And then once you've got the foundation, just like a, a website or any other element of your business, then you can roll on and feel better that you've got that solid foundation for security. That's the old adage, spend money to save money. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a lot of money in the beginning. And I would say that it really helps buy down catastrophic risk of if you have assets that are monetarily valuable or sensitive information about employees, social security numbers, anything like that, that you want to figure out how to protect it from the get-go. Well, yeah, that, and I mean, you think about, and again, I keep coming back to the, the B impact assessment in that customer section of, of making those commitments to your clients. It's kind of, they're kind of empty without the right security protocols in place. Yes. Um, this is my favorite question of the, of the podcast that I love asking everybody. It's the curveball that everybody kind of looks at me and goes, why'd you ask me that? What is, what is one question that you wish we had asked you? Um, and obviously you get to answer it. So what's one thing that, that we didn't ask that you'd love to address, um, anywhere, I guess any, really anywhere, be about your childhood, whatever <laughs> your, why the work, the cybersecurity, whatever, whatever you feel like taking on. How do you build a, a positive culture in your teams? That's Ooh. the question that I'd love to address. Go for it. I'd love to hear the answer. <laughs> Nathan. We as a nation are globally are undergoing so much change. We have just hopefully fingers crossed emerged from a global pandemic and there are things that will never be the same. And a lot of people are really dealing with a lot of change individually, but also businesses. So when I was at CISA, for example, as the regional director for US region four, part of my work involved having teams that were very different cultures work together to realize the value of each of the different teams and to encourage them to communicate, to get to know each other and to work together efficiently and effectively. So more specifically, that includes the physical security advisors that are in the field in CISA. And I say the field like geographically dispersed throughout the eight state Southeastern region. They're experts in physical security before the Super Bowl game or any like crowded event or working with partners like banks or, or others in critical infrastructure like the energy sector. You know, they would go to these places and consult. I mean, it's art for free. It's already been paid for by pet taxpayer dollars. But basically, they lend their expertise to help look at downstream effects that could be a security risk. And so help organizations see those and then patch that up ahead of time. So they had all the relationships in the Southeast because they've been around a long time. They're your bread and butter Homeland Security folks. Now come in the cybersecurity team and they're fairly new. 
And Nathan, you can only imagine the culture. And I tease a little bit, but you know, a lot of these are middle-aged white guys who are you know, in their forties playing Dungeons and Dragons in their mom's basement. <laughs> that's not true, right? That's, that's not true. But I'm just saying that the cybersecurity culture is really different from the physical security experts who many of them were law enforcement. So what I did at CISA is that I, I brought all the team together for just Q&A, ask any question you want. And we, I also had separately the physical and cybersecurity teams work together depending on what city they were in so that they could exchange contact information of key players for critical infrastructure in Savannah or Jacksonville, Pensacola, Miami, Charlotte, um, you know, where, wherever have you. And so that really, those relationships grew and became more solid. And so there was a mutual trust of one another that really helped open the door for CISA to deliver much better cybersecurity advice to those partners. That's awesome. No matter the field, team building. Team building, especially now you yeah. talk about coming out of the pandemic, just with, you know, even the, I mean, it sounds like it was already dispersed before, like the company I worked for, we were, you know, already remote, but I yeah. think more companies are facing that. And how do you, how do you even build those little clusters of the regional teams, you know, that are in the same city and just let them get together, you know, as, as, as a team um, is, is one of those challenges I think every company is reckoning with. And I think some people are just giving up and saying, come back to the office, but I think somewhat the toothpaste is out of the tube. I agree, Nathan. I think the hybrid work environment is beneficial because it allows people a better quality of life because they don't have to deal with traffic and they don't have to deal with the stress of getting into the office. However, I do think that it's important to discern when a face-to-face -face meeting is valuable. May not always be required, but I reflect on times in my career where I really connected with people and they were always face to face. Agreed. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely still something you can't replicate. And the, and the CEO or your director is never coming into your kitchen to refill their coffee. If they are, there's <laughs> another discussion to be had. <laughs> um, well, where if our uh, listeners wanted to follow you and and learn and and follow you on social where could they find you um and yeah what other what are any other resources you want to share for us to put in the show notes thanks for asking they can go to eastbysouthsolutions.com which is the website for my advisory consultancy and it talks about some of the professional services that the business delivers and they can also look me up on linkedin there's only one Joy Purser, J-O-Y-E-P-U-R-S-E-R. -E -E so hit me up on LinkedIn. I only link with people I know. So I will look to get to know you if you hit me up on LinkedIn. Just, uh, you know, it's a security thing. <laughs> but I look forward to um, hearing the podcast and helping in any way I can. I love that new tip. That's a good way for me not to have to feel bad about not accepting requests. I only, it's a security thing. Um, yeah. You can always, but you can always smash the follow button and follow Joy. So that's right. Yes. And then once you get to know her, you can connect. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that, Joy. Well, thanks so much for. I mean, I learned a ton. I'm like, this might be the first one we've recorded where I sat here taking notes. Um, wow. As I think, as I think about like 
you know, protecting all kinds of different, you know, I mean, even just Google Drive, just making sure that it's protected, two-factor authentication is turned on, all the little things that everybody can do, and then kind of just become a student of this and, you know, occasionally just looking up what's new and what's what the new threats are and kind of staying abreast of, um, again, saving, investing time and, and a little bit of money to save yourself serious headaches down the road. You know, Nathan, it's kind of like getting your oil changed in your car. It doesn't have to be a full-time thing, but just a little bit of, of awareness and just pay a little bit of attention to the maintenance of that can really go a long way. I love it. We're going to end it on that. That was a great mic drop. <laughs> Cybersecurity. It's like an oil change. Do it. <laughs> well, Joy, it's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming on. I had a great time. Thanks again. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be The Change Georgia. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening and now go be a leader worth following.